Alrighty, hey everybody. So, um, tonight we have something a little interesting. Um, I'm going to be doing a new segment where I dive through, try to do every week, one chapter out of this book called Core 52. Um, it's a 15-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year, and it's written by a guy by the name of Mark E. Moore. Um, this book came to me in a pretty interesting situation in my life and in a pretty um, interesting moment and a preacher at the church that I had gone to since a a child gave it to me and so um, I spent some time going through this book a lot in the past year and a half or so and um, now I thought it would be beneficial with the start of the new year to kind of um, record it and go through this Uh, on a weekly basis because it will not only help me to learn this material better because I'll be teaching it to somebody per se, but um, also hopefully it will help, you know, anybody out there who, who's, who's just learning or wanting to learn more or who's going through an interesting time in their life. So um, this book, like I said, it's 15 minute daily guide. There's a few things that you do each week so this is the the way it's actually set out is where on the first day um like i said spread through five days so first day you read the essay the second day you memorize a bible passage um that the book has set out for you the third day you typically read some sort of interesting story that sort of goes along with the the theme that the chapter is about um and then day four just meditate on different verses. Just try to um, learn more. Try to think about them more in depthly. Um, and then day five is more of an action. Um, so sometimes there's tasks. Sometimes it's asking you to um, just even identify how you feel and look in look in yourself. And then there's a couple other little overachiever um, challenges, is what it says. And then a bonus read. But um, Without further ado, the first chapter is titled Creation. And so uh, right under the heading, it has a little phrase from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I'm going to try to cover all of the topics in this, in this first chapter um, sort of on my own as opposed to reading directly from the book and dealing with all that. So um, bear with me. But the, the main question is basically, why are we here as humans? And, um, you know, I think it's a question that I definitely struggle with a lot. I have struggled a lot with in the past. Um, but I think we all can find some some happiness or some... <laughs> some calmness in the fact that we're all we're all here together we uh nobody actually knows what's going on so um you know that's that's what we got but um what's interesting about this chapter is that it starts to go through and kind of give you more of a visual of what creation is where it came from where the bible um says it all came from so the first uh little subheading is who created this world and so Kind of one of the first main themes is that all artists leave their fingerprint, um, and the fingerprint of God is all around us in our physical world. And so, um, just like any artist would leave 
their fingerprints on a painting per se, you know, you can look outside and you can see the earth, the beautiful earth, the beautiful mountains, beautiful flowers, anything like that. And you can see God's handiwork with creation right, right in it. So, um, dives in further and says the Bible says the father, son, and the Holy spirit, um, are the three that exist, the Trinity essentially. And it's mentioned as early as Genesis chapter, uh, one verses one through three. And so the first of this Trinity is God as the architect. So this is the way to visualize this and it'll go through it some more, um, is to picture this as being the invisible force of God, essentially. So God is the architect. He creates elements out of nothing. Um, Some people believe that physical matter actually is eternal and that God was basically created and then molded the physical matter into something. But the Bible takes the complete different route and says actually that God came out of nothing and God creates elements out of nothing, and physical matter did not actually exist. Um, Rather, God created the physical matter. And so another interesting thing about this version of God, this number one of the three, is that God is eternal, and he is known as the only eternal thing in existence. And I say thing because we don't truly know what this version of God exactly is, because he doesn't seem to have any physical form. Um, We basically cannot comprehend it just as we cannot comprehend or see heaven. Um, But, you know, God isn't just one thing, and he is multiple beings, so we can sort of learn more about um, who God, who this version of God is truly, and get a a wider picture if we learn the other other two. Um, So the next one would be the Holy Spirit, and What's interesting is that in Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, we all agree that God created the earth, but only Christians see the Holy Spirit as the engineer. So this is where it's really, really pretty interesting. Starts to dive in a little bit deeper. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So I'm going to digest this with a quick joke, because when I was reading this, um, I couldn't help but thinking maybe this is how the pyramids were created. Uh, vibration, that's been a little theory thrown out there, just a, just a quick conspiracy theory fact for those of you out there who enjoy that. But anyways, back to this uh, verse. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So what's interesting about this is that um, the Hebrew word for hovering in that where it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, actually, I, I guess, expresses a vibration by its definition. And so this author of the book sort of analogizes it by saying that the Spirit quaked to bring order out of chaos and essentially bring just bring order to the physical world. Um, And once again, this is the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, the engineer acting, not God the Creator. Um, And so also it it dives a little bit deeper into the grammatical side of things where it says the Hebrew word for breath is also translated spirit. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, 
uh, we do see the breath of God animates Adam into life, essentially. Um, and so moving on in Genesis chapter 7, verse 22, the word for breath is translated to mean spirit. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died, is the quote. And so this is saying, this is all really meaning that the Holy Spirit um, is the life force, the energy on earth that gives us life. And so whenever it says, it's kind of a frightening phrase to hear everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. But this could just mean that everything of the physical earth will die, which is where the spirit exists, essentially. And it makes sense because, like, as humans um, and in the physical world, everything runs off of energy. So when we die, our energy passes on, it's renewed, and life keeps going on. But this is also interesting because if God is... So in the in the beginning, remember, I said God is eternal, God the... God the creator god the architect is eternal well that form of god is not in physical form so when we think about this everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died that's implying that everything on dry land so everything in physical form on earth that breathes the breath of life dies but i take this to mean that we just maybe can't we can't live eternally in our physical form because basically nothing can. So if you think about it, God, the creator, if he is, if God, the creator is not in physical form, but he's eternal yet he can be the spirit and what we'll come to later find out Jesus as well. Then one would assume that he could become in physical form if he can create things in physical form but maybe i'm interpreting this as god does not create himself in physical form but rather does it through jesus sort of um in order to not lose his eternal status if that sort of makes sense um and you know this could be completely wrong and it could just be a crazy thought but uh i thought that was interesting how things that are physical have the breath of life in them but all things physical will die but then you look at god who's not physical and he's eternal so essentially i just wanted to relate this back to like once we die and our spirit goes up to heaven i don't think it necessarily means that we need like we don't need a body to live eternally because we can live on in spirit and so this all goes back to just that spirit is life it gives us breath and energy on earth. And for younger kids, if you're trying to sort of analogize what the spirit would be, um, I equate it to the vibe. So if you pay attention, I mean, you can feel you can feel the vibe anywhere. Um, you walk into a house full of strangers, you can instantly sense the vibe switch and just some sort of tension, some sort of awkwardness, weirdness enters the room. Or if you go to an NFL game and the crowds are roaring, the stadium's going crazy, it's rocking, the spirit's lifted so high, everybody's, everybody is just radiating energy and, and the spirit of life. And so I think that's just a good way to sort of try to wrap your head around this. Um, one sec, I'm going to take a drink. 
Okay, so this this goes in further and it says, now that God is the God is the Father Creator, and God the Spirit creates, and God the Father is the architect, but God the Spirit is the engineer. So essentially, God the Father, He he comes up with the entire idea. He's the architect. He draws out the plan sort of in his head of what he wants. And then he puts the spirit into action um, as the, essentially the engineer um, making making sure everything runs correctly. And so this, this author, um, Mark Moore, talks about how we've gotten away from recognizing the beauty in the spirit of creation such as he equates it to seeing God in a thunderstorm or the bloom of a flower or just the majesty of mountains. And I get, I get this because we, we sort of have, as a society, moved a little further away from seeing the beauty in the spirit of creation. Um, if, you just, if you just think about how much time we spend indoors, uh, how, much, how, how many moments there are where it's just a beautiful day outside and we we refuse the urge to get outside to do something to really fully embrace the beauty of God's creation of God's world and instead we stay inside and we sit on our phones and look at the world from our phones instead of seeing it seeing it first person and really being just enveloped in that environment and it also really can be seen how even in the church, we worship in buildings now, um, which obviously we have for a long time, because humans just typically don't like to be out, you know, in the environment. But it's in church services, especially. It's one place where I, anyways, can feel the energy in the air. I can feel the spirit moving through people, especially during. Uh, worship times where everybody's singing, everybody's standing. There's people with their hands up, waving back and forth. That is that that moment sometimes can be so so moving, so moving. And uh, I I really do love that about church services. Um, but that that whole experience where the spirit is high can bring out so many positive emotions in us and positive emotions that everybody needs. And he's saying this author is saying that. Essentially, if we'd stopped worshiping in a church building all of the time, and when weather was permitting, we moved outside to really to really get the full experience of of the beauty of the earth and just of what God's creation is. You know, like like a morning sunrise service. Imagine seeing the sunrise as everybody's singing, everybody's standing around each other. I mean, those types of moments are just so energetically charged that I couldn't even imagine. I honestly, that's on my bucket list. I do want to go to a church service outside. Um, But I think, I think that's a really good point. You know, we just, we don't a lot of the times take the, the moment to go just throw ourselves into nature and to really, to really soak in how great life is and how great, everything around us is um just a little tip even my dad my mom and I uh, occasionally during the summer would go outside and for 15 or 20 minutes 
we would take our shoes off and just put our feet in the grass. And it's called grounding. It has to do with your electromagnetic field. Um, but essentially what we were doing was just trying to connect to nature more, trying to get the, the stress of the everyday life um, of the material world out and just substitute it with nothing but funny jokes. You know, my dad would swing a golf club. Um, I would just mess around in the grass. My mom would just hang out and mess around too. But most of these times we found that we didn't even have cell phones. So, um, I mean, you can imagine if you just do this, it's 15 minutes of your day to just connect with nature, to look around you, to, to really admire everything and to take the moment to realize how great life can be. Um, it truly, it truly can be life-changing. So I definitely, definitely recommend something like that. It's just 15, 20 minutes out of your day and it's not, it's not a big deal. So, uh, back to the story though, we have covered now two of, two of God's personas, God, uh, God, the creator and God, the spirit. So now into Jesus, the builder. So as we mentioned, God, the father is the architect. God, the spirit is the engineer. Jesus is the builder. He's the one that gets stuff done. Okay. So Genesis chapter one, verse three, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay. So this is, this is God saying something. Okay. But if God's not in physical form, essentially that, that brings up some issues. So that's a little foreshadowing, but John chapter one, verse one through three, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay. So this is interesting because this, this verse, it starts with in the beginning was the word word is cap. The W in word is capitalized. Okay. And the word was with God. So this is saying that the word is something separate than God. And so then it says the word also was God. So the word is now, the word now has existed since God has existed. The word was with God and the word was God. So the word is God, but it's a separate entity sort of of God, which come find out it's Jesus. Um, And so the word like I said, is Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of God's spoken word. God gives the command and Jesus turns it into creation. And so, like I said, he's Jesus is the builder, essentially. And if we go um, further into Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, um, it says, He is the image of the visible God, the firstborn of all creation. All things were created through him and for him. Okay, so he is the image of the visible God. Yeah, that checks. God the creator, invisible. The word, Jesus, the word is Jesus. He is the image of the visible God, uh, of the invisible God. So, um, like I said, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Not sure exactly how that works. Um, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. That's saying that God's the father. So God was before him, but it's saying that God is also, yeah. So it's, I guess it's kind of confusing, but if you think about it, you know, 
your parents are in you uh, through their genes, essentially. So it's kind of the same thing. Like, I guess you could sort of argue that I existed before I was born, but I don't really want to go there if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> but here's here's kind of where it gets interesting. Things get interesting. So just to just to keep us fresh, they're all three unique entities which form one, and so. This is kind of scattered, but it goes it goes into now. Um, I, I'll link it back for us, but it, it starts talking about salvation and how salvation typically is referred to in people's minds as a future state that you reach when you're actually in heaven, rather than an earthly ability of some sort. Um, so this salvation is typically thought of something that we can't really reach here. It's sort of something that we work towards our entire lives for. Uh, to have in heaven eventually, but you know we do we do have a future in heaven, obviously. But the amazing thing about Jesus being involved in all of this is that Jesus is interested in our eternal life, not only in heaven in the future, but also now. And if you really think about this, I kind of see this as Jesus understanding what it feels like to be alive in physical form. Um, he can he can sort of understand things that we that maybe God the Creator can't, and so also when you think about the things that Jesus did while he was down here on Earth, he gave us advice and sort of rules to live our lives by to achieve salvation in the here and now on Earth. Because and I think this is because Jesus does know how we feel, and so I think that was kind of a a pivotal moment. The author doesn't talk about this at all, but. To me, that seems like a pivotal moment in human history, sort of, where Jesus came down to us, was able to completely wrap himself in our situation, and he was able to learn and just digest everything that we, everything that we as humans deal with. And he, that's just what makes that, that connection, that relationship with Jesus so special to us as humans. So I, I, just, I just think that's, I think that's um, something really important to keep in mind as we go forward with this because now we are going into a different subchapter. That was just the first of three. I can't promise that this one will be much faster, but I know the last one will be. But... Um, so how the question is how did God restore creation? So this is just some background in, information but in Genesis chapter 3 Eve was obviously seduced by the serpent. And what's interesting about this moment is it says that in this moment this act took God's breath away. So if we think about think back to what we were talking about earlier um, the breath of God is also known as the Holy Spirit. So Ultimately, God was very distraught with uh, what His creation had done. Just keep that. Just keep that little foreshadowing tip of the um, Holy Spirit in your head. But um, yeah, just keep just keep that in mind. So next, God eventually hits reset on the world with the Great Flood to try and restore creation to what it could be. Um, I think this is just because evil filled the earth at this time. And God was essentially kind of cleansing out all of the evil, um, but you have to think about it. Can seem it can seem really cruel and really evil to think about God wiping out the earth um, and destroying pretty much all of humanity besides a, a couple of people. 
Um, but he did this all in mind to try and bring what he deemed a fallen creation back. Uh, we, as humans, directly disobeyed his order at the start of the time in the Garden of Eden. And so this is essentially retribution, I guess. Um, but what's amazing about this whole situation is that after the flood, God started with just a couple, and then it moved to a family of people, and then a nation, and then now today, the invitation is open to absolutely any and everybody. And I think that's just that's just amazing because it kind of signifies that the the idea of God recovering the earth to Eden and helping us is actually the story of the Bible, which is based around Jesus, who ultimately will end up restoring us. And so the finale to restoration, like I said, is through Jesus. And by his blood, Jesus would recreate the human spirit by renewing us through his own spirit. So this, this, this is very interesting. And this is where the fact about the Holy Spirit comes in handy. So this is interesting because God's breath was taken away the moment Eve committed the disobedient act and he found out about it. So thus, I think it's sort of safe to assume that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is somehow gone or take it's been taken away from God. Um, I, I would have to do more research into this, but I think that's interesting because it says his breath is taken away. And like, like I said, we know that his breath means the Spirit. And so whenever you think about what happens with Jesus coming up, it kind of ties in. And that's what makes it so great is because Jesus sacrificed himself to renew the spirit on earth through him, directly through him. So, which going back to my point earlier when I was talking about how Jesus knows what it feels like to be alive because he was human, this shows that although we lost the spirit at the beginning with Eve, we can actually form an even better relationship with God through Jesus because Jesus actually understands what it's like to be a human because he was one of us. And so I think that's absolutely fascinating whenever you just consider the fact that Jesus literally restored the spirit of life on earth for all of us. And it goes to show that there is more to this world than the eye meets. By far, the spirit was taken away by whenever Eve committed the act, and the spirit was renewed through the blood of Jesus, who gave his life to restore the spirit on earth. The spirit exists, and the spirit is not of the physical world. You cannot see it or touch it, but you can feel it. I'm telling you guys, there's there's more out there. There's more out there. And so lastly, um, I jumped chapters. That was... That was what I just talked about, how did God restore creation, was the last um, little sub subheading. But the second subheading is, why did God create this world? And so the first suggestion is that God kind of created the world to bring himself glory, which looking at this, I have to admit, it seems pretty self-consumed on the surface. But uh, I mean, look at us at everyday life. Um, everything we create is to, in some way or another, create others' pleasure or for our own praise. I mean, um, the clothes that we wear that is so so fancy, uh, you know, we, we dress to impress, which is ultimately for ourselves, but it also brings pleasure to other people when they see someone who's looking really good. Um, and who feels good. We build massive houses to impress. I mean, it's, when you think about it this way, it kind of makes sense because 
God, yes, he is doing this to bring himself glory, uh, is what the theory is, but all around us are are sort of works of art, so to speak. Uh, you can see you can see this in a gymnast performing like an incredible stunt flying through the air. I mean, you can see it when a guy throws an alley oop and jumps up and catches it one handed and dunks it. Um, or just consider even the wonders that our bodies are. How how little we actually know about even our own bodies. Um, and it's just it 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 shows. Who God is, um, I I obviously get a lot of pleasure out of being alive, so I'm I'm very thankful for Him creating me. Um, but we we can see and we can start to grasp sort of a thought of who God really is if we just if we just open our eyes and look around. There's hints everywhere. There's hints everywhere. And so besides the other purpose to just impress um, in this book, the second purpose for creation of us is basically for us to manage the creation of God, which I'm assuming is the physical world, um, earth, animals, everything, including ourselves. And so from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it states, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This one kind of spoke to me a little bit, I think, this line. And we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's the phrase that strikes me, the which God prepared in advance for us to do, because a lot of people want to talk about how, oh, you know, there's there's free will. You can't you can't say that we have a pre predetermined destiny because of free will exists and um I don't want to have a predetermined destiny, whatever. You know, that's fine. You can have that. But I, I challenge you to look at it from this perspective instead. Have you ever had like a sense that you're drawn to something? Um, whether it be a particular sport, a particular career field, um, a particular color, literally anything. Have you ever had a sense that you have particular skills, like certain things that you're just better at. Um, are you better at building stuff? Are you better at, uh, computer work? Are you better at sports? What, what are, what are your particular skills? Because God, God has put those skills in you for some purpose, for some predetermined purpose. And so what are like some other particular personality traits? Are you someone who, needs to be in a busy office and have a busy environment to stay focused um, to be able to succeed? Or are you somebody who can work from home and be more successful that way because you just are calm, you're free from distractions? Um, you know, what are, are you somebody who's anxious all the time? Are you somebody who's detail, super detail-oriented? Detail oriented? I just think these are, all, these are all little hints that can lead you to your true potential um, if you just if you just truly sit back and try to learn what God created you for, uh, and that's been that's been one of my main my main goals in the past couple of years, and I think I've I've really learned a lot. But you know, the beautiful takeaway from all of this is that God is personally involved with us in creating and recreating the world with our help. And although God created both the heavens and the earth, 
he ultimately leaves it up to us to make the make make heaven on earth essentially and so i think that's uh that's it for all of the information but um just some key points each member of the trinity plays a vital role in creation um and those are god the creator no sorry yeah god the creator the holy spirit and jesus um god create created for the same reasons we do for others pleasure and our own praise and then the last key point just as god created the earth we're to continue to recreate a world reflecting his love. So I think that's probably the takeaway from today is just to try to make the world a better place. And, um, you know, I hope this, this helps somebody out there. Uh, if it, if it doesn't, that's fine too. But I just, I wanted to share this because this book has been very important to my spiritual change, my spiritual path in the past couple years. And I think that if you really dive into it and you spend a lot of time and you work on your habits and you work on putting what you're reading into action, it really can change your life. So uh, there you go, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.